didn't judge after their parents, Brother Lomberg. He didn't, he didn't look at things the way we looked at it. He, 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 he we, we, you know, we want to we give a certain look. Uh, I mean, I think it's, you now let's just get this meddle a little bit, and I don't mean this in the wrong way, but it's nice to have a nice, it's a nice building, it's a nice building. And there's others that I've seen, very nice, you know, some, some of them very elaborate, and some of them not, but they're nice. It's a nice thing to, but sometimes we, we peddle that off as being, a move of God when it's not a move of God. It's not the building. It's what's going on in it. And it's not your body. It's what's going on in it. Hallelujah. It'll manifest out there, but it's what's taking place on the inside of you. So we're so appearance-oriented, especially in the last few years. You went through the... Now, listen. You, you, <laughs> that's, that's why in last, last year, I just, just totally backslid. I wore uh, meetings. I wore shirts with no ties. I wore khaki pants. I just, I just went like a, I, did, I was decent and clean and nice. I just decided to slum out. Hallelujah. I just got tired of it and did it, if you want to call it that. Because people have a tendency to say, well, that guy, he wasn't dressed up. He didn't look right. You know, we're into that. Well, that guy, I've had people say to me, I had a guy say to me one time, he, was, he, didn't, he believed a little different than we did, and I was in a grocery store. And, he, and he, he, he just believed that there was one part of the Godhead. You know, there is one God manifested in three persons, but he believes there's just one, you know. And I kind of knew that just a little bit of talking to him, but he come up to me in a grocery store, and he said, and I, I get nervous when people do this anyway. He said, you, you know, you, he said, are you a preacher? I said, Why? I wanted to know why he said that. Well, you look like one. I said, well, what's one look like? You know, what do they look like? I mean, put me in a, you know, nice little suit like I got on tonight, and maybe I look like a preacher, but bring John the Baptist in, he looks like a bum. He knows, we got this young boy, he's a Baptist preacher, and he, got, he, was, in our, he was in one of our services, and was in a, it was a bunch of us meeting in this building. There's a bunch of preachers there, and I forget all the things, but I invited them, all the, all the preachers to come up and help me uh, pray for people. And I, before we started, I said, now, all of you standing here, I said, lift your hands and pray in the Holy Ghost. Well, he'd never been filled with the Holy Ghost in his life. He's a Baptist preacher. And while he's standing there, the Holy Ghost come on, and he got filled with the Holy Ghost, spoke in tongues. He didn't even know what happened to him, praise God. He's pastoring the church, and, He's talking about people reaching out to the community to down and out people. All, you know, people that couldn't dress very good, what we call street people. You wouldn't know that so much as much like you do in the big cities, but still, you know, maybe there's one or two around here you'd understand what I'm saying. And he said, uh, uh, I, he, he, he got all, he got him a, some old dirty, old filthy clothes and, some, and, and got all dirty and stinky. And he dressed up in all of them old clothes and went in on Sunday morning and stood outside the church to see if any of his members invited me and not one did. Come into church and nobody after that, nobody had anything to do with him. Then he, he preached. I'd have liked to heard it. You understand what I'm saying? By appearance, you know, things sometimes are not like they appear. You know, listen, us preachers can tell you, we've had people coming to us smiling like Cheshire cats. Oh, pastor, I just want to share something with you. When you get through, you want to punch them in the nose because they didn't come in the way they appeared. They appeared first like they are coming to churches sometimes and they appear like they're just okay, but they're not okay. They're come there where they got another agenda. 
I mean, you can't, I'm just one I want you to understand. I'm using a lot of illustrations here, but hopefully you're getting the point. Have we become a people who love appearance and not substance? We want, we want certain things to look a certain way, <clears throat> but, but what, I have, what I'm seeing is, is the lack of integrity and the lack of character and the lack of honor amongst the church of, of God or of Christ. I tell you what, I was reading an article in one of these magazines uh, you have hanging on the wall back here today and was talking about, I think it's about the homosexual article about the homosexuals. They said, and I'm, and I'm paraphrasing what they said, but you, he said, in essence, I said, you can't trust to say anything to the church. They'll kill you in there. It's the truth. Man, I tell you, it's, it's something. If we don't look a certain way and act a certain way, this can't be acceptable. This may tell you what, uh, maybe God will let some of them look in heaven like they look like on earth when they dress them. I, I think, I'm thinking right now about a young man in the church that we go to in one of the churches we go to in Columbia. You'd see him today, you would never know what he was. And I, and I love to tell this story because it's powerful. And a missionary there. He was a street person. When you have a street person in the United States, that's bad. When you have one in Bogota, Colombia, friend, you've never seen such emaciated human beings in your entire life. They're awful. And this guy, he came, he was, his hair was grown way out, you know, because he never had it cut, matted and full of whatever, disease, and, and just name it, it was full of it. It was sickening, stank and filthy. Couldn't even stand to look at him. And he came to the church, and, and he said, and the missionary's wife said, Brother John is his name. He said, Brother John went down off the pulpit and hugged him and loved him and reached out to him and he gave his heart to Christ. You look at him today, he looks better than any person you'll find on Madison Avenue. I tell you, it's incredible what God will do. But sometimes because of appearance, we just say, well, that can't be it. I'm going to tell you something. There's a book I've never read. I've just heard some people tell me about it in Columbia called The Conspiracy of Kindness. And they talk about all the things that people do. Uh, so this guy talks about things we can do to win people to the Lord. One of the things they do is they go out on the street to young people and they shine people's shoes. And they say, how much are you charging? And they say, we're just going to give that to you. Well, why are you doing that for us? Because we're Christians and we just want to bless you and be a, a help and a blessing to you. And they're reaching prostitutes and they're reaching everything you can possibly find. The worst emaciated bunch of human beings you can find, they're coming in the church and receiving Christ. Hallelujah. It's not uncommon to see 15, 20, 30 people come to the Lord every Sunday service and they have three of them on Sunday. Hallelujah. And so you're just saying, and that church has grown from well over a thousand and he ain't got a room. He ain't got a place big enough right now to hold what's going to happen because people have decided I'm just not going to let that bother me. I'm going to, I'm, I want some substance because the idea and the mind of God is to repopulate heaven. Hallelujah. I'm not trying to populate a church. I want to populate heaven. And so heaven is populated when people are born again and come into the family of God in the priority in the mind of God is to win the lost. And when you do that, you'll have a revival spirit. When you do that, you'll have the power of God. When you do that, you'll have more money and you know what to do to get it done. And you're blessed anyway because you're reaching out to the world. You're, a, you're that type of a person. But just bring it home, praise God. Hallelujah. And work it there. Somebody shout glory. Look at somebody say that preacher's preaching good tonight. Hallelujah. Now, <laughs> have, have we become a people who love appearance and not substance, thereby producing no depth? Boy, I said, yeah, I, I can just stay right here. I never have to go another point tonight. But you know, there is such shallowness sometimes in the body of Christ. In many places, there's so many shallow, so much shallowness in people. It's just incredible. It's sickening. You look at them, you think, God, I wish they, I thought they were different. I thought they had something. I mean, they're just big crybabies. You know. 
<laughs> just, I mean, just such a sad, sad thing. There's just no, you know, and, and listen, the Bible gave us an express letter from the Holy Ghost. In 1 Timothy 4, 1, he said, seducing spirits would come in the last days causing many to depart from the faith. Departing from the faith is not, a, is, is not an instant act of a person. Departing from the faith is a gradual thing. Like, you know, like Samson was a good illustration of it. He just gradually began to depart piece by piece and bit by bit until there come a point in his life where he rose up and needed the power of God and he didn't have it. He wasn't there because he departed from God. See, there's people right now, they, I, I, maybe, Brother Bloom, you may have heard this. I think it's something like 18,000 preachers leaving the ministry worldwide. I believe it's worldwide. I hope it's not the United States. God will be in trouble if it is. But I heard that statistic here just recently. Leaving the ministry. I, I mean, that scares me, friend. What we need, hallelujah, is more in the ministry. And we need people who are in the churches to do ministry. Maybe not in the capacity of a pastor or a five-fold ministry, but ministry. Hallelujah, we need to reach the world. We're going to get this thing done. We're going to have to get with it. Hallelujah, somebody shout better. Praise God, hallelujah. Now, uh, then have we forsaken godliness and integrity for what, we, for, for, for what many call advancing the kingdom? You know, the morality, the moral level sometimes and the integrity of some people is, is incredible to me. I'll give you some examples of what I'm talking about. You can have a church situation in a church where people cause a lot of problems, difficulties. They have to be removed from the church whatever way they have to go. And some pastor across town will take them and say, well, I'm just going to love them. You ain't going to love the devil. You're going to have to cast him out. I'm not I'm talking about people now. I'm talking about what's in them. There's no integrity. It's whatever we have to do to have numbers. What good is quantity without quality? I'd rather have 50, bless God, who love God with all their heart. And it's D.O. Moody who said, give me five men who love God with all their heart and, and hate the devil the same way, and I'll turn the world upside down for Jesus. Hallelujah. That's, see, we, we, we don't, you don't hear these kind of messages very often. You know, I, I had a little experience happen to me. In South, in, you know, I'm free. I tell you, bless God, they're, they're going to hear it, and God's going to see to it. I get into places that need to hear it. But I didn't realize the devil was working something against me. God Almighty took me to Israel to show it to me. Hallelujah. And while we were there, Brother, Brother Bloom, this little prophetess lady we ministered for in Tel Aviv, she, she said, uh, usually when I have people come from the, anywhere to speak, said, I just make a choice and never have any problems. But when I made a choice to have you come, said, that devil said, don't have him come. And she just really, it really upset her. It really got her, you know, she said, I couldn't deal with it. I just had to turn over my husband and let him deal with it. And she, so when I got there, the first night we ministered, it was in, you know, in her church, it's Spanish Jews. And, uh, and so we were ministering. And, uh, and, uh, and we got through the end of the service. She ministered to me. She said, gave me this word. She said, you said, uh, you've come to one of the most controversial ministries in Israel. I bet it's so after meeting her, I'm sure that's so. And said, but you are well-trained in controversy for the Father's taught you. Well, I never thought about myself being that way, you know what I'm saying? I probably am controversial. Uh, you know, because you just preach, you know, when you preach like it is, folks, it's a controversy. Well, that was, you know, I thought, well, okay. I, you know, I never know what to do with stuff like that. I just don't know how to handle it. So I just kind of said, okay, and thought, well, I'll think about it. I'll meditate on this. So the next day, uh, we went out to her house. And that's when she told us. She said, we got ready to invite you. Said, the devil said, don't have you. I said, that sounds like it. You know, and, you know he, he, that's what he'll say. And so she said, I went to the Lord, and the Lord said, there's a spirit of false warning. 
Now, maybe you don't quite understand what that is. But if you ever dealt with a demon-possessed person, sometimes the devils will speak out of them and try to turn what's going on back on you. Because that's the devil. He's a liar. <laughs> His tail's going to be on fire too, praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to Dios. Hallelujah. Amen. But, but if he has one, <laughs> don't know if he has one. He can't tell really. But anyway, <laughs> want to be doctrinally correct. I don't know if you ever heard this story about this people was preaching. Since I'm talking about that, I'll just tell you a little joke and lighten up things a little bit so I can come down and get a little heavier here in a minute. There's people in this church hall, them getting together just worshiping God. And all of a sudden, a thunder crash and a lightning flashed and smoke filled the place. And when the smoke cleared, there stood the devil, his pitchfork and his hat. You know, he probably don't, but that's, you know, that's what we picture him. And people just evacuated the building, just flew out of the back door. And finally, one old man sitting back right on the very back seat, he just sat there. And the devil walked off the platform over there and said, don't you know who I am? He said, yeah, I know who you are. He said, well, aren't you, aren't you afraid of me? We said, why should I be? He said, I've been married to your sister for 35 years. <laughs> I dare you to look at somebody and say, is he talking about you? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> be a murder going in here. I can't see to put this back on, I don't think. Amen. <laughs> well, the devil, he wants to... He, he wants to. He wants to. He wants to make it. And I knew. I know that that shut doors. Because when you start talking about integrity and character, some folks don't have it. Don't want it. And they don't want you telling them about it. And they don't want to feel miserable because you are telling them about it. Huh? You know. Listen. Get a clue. You can't look at me and tell it now. But I was afraid of my shadow when the Lord saved me. I was as timid and as backward as you could be. I said, dumb, I couldn't come in out of the rain. I mean, I really was because I was told I was, so I just acted that way. But I was, but at the same time, you know, I was very, very, very shy. And what's happened is God just got in me and decided to grow up in there. Hallelujah. Well, you know, for you now, you may have been just a real aggressive person, just meaning a junkyard dog full of demons. And God just made you docile. And now you just seem like Mr. or Mrs. Quite, you know, Mr. Uh, I've got it all together type person. Well, you know, God can do anything he wants. He's a miracle worker. Hallelujah. He knows how to take one one way and one another way. But folks don't know that sometimes. Unless you tell them, they don't believe when you do tell them. You can't ever believe, Brother Hughes, that you've ever been that way. You're right. I can't either. Hallelujah. And I don't mind confrontation. If that's what you want to do, I can do it. Hallelujah. But I did mind it. I used to hate it. But I just don't mind it anymore because some folks just need to be told something that's going to help them somewhere down the road to redeem their soul. Now, but, but see, that devil, you know, he, he, he's got us backed up against the wall in some of these things. Now, I'm going to say it again. Have we forsaken godliness and integrity for what we call advancing the kingdom? Uh, the, the devil will trick us into doing things sometimes and get us in a financial bind and we'll find ourselves compromising. I'm talking about us preachers now find ourselves compromising and getting some things done in order, you know, just because we're backed up against the wall that way. No, sir, never compromise godliness and never compromise integrity. Never. Hallelujah. I'm going to keep my word. I'm going to be a person that, that can be trusted. Praise God. Now, thank you for, thank you for that. All of, I, I'm, when you quit running aisles and shouting, we'll go on. Now, you ought to be running them right now. 
Now, is the world seeing Jesus Christ in us by our genuine love one for another? That's the question. By that, he said, shall all men know that we're his disciples because we have love one toward another? Can the world say that? Well, my God, I mean, in the 80s when the ministers started falling, you, I mean, all the vultures and the piranhas come out of the woodworks. I mean, everybody was jumping on the wagon. And maybe some of it was valid, some of it needed to be said, but some of it wasn't. It was just out to kill and destroy. I don't like you because you're Pentecostal, and I'm going to burn you down for it. Now I've been waiting for years to get the opportunity. I'm going to fix you. That's wrong. It's wrong. And, and so, so we, so we uh, uh, the world's not seeing it. Uh, I'm not talking about love that lets everything go on. That's not what I'm talking about. Some folks don't have a, they have a goofed up idea. They've got sloppy, greasy, gracie, grace and agape. They, it's just, I mean, they just say, well, just let them come into church and do anything. God loves them. He loves them. He loves the sinner in the street. He loves the person who's going to murder somebody tonight. He loves them, but he's not going to tolerate it. Yes, he loves me. He never quits loving him. He'll never quit loving him. I don't even know how that's going to, what facet that's going to take after eternity and all of those things are settled and the judgment has been pronounced where he's going to be with that. But he's love and he can't do anything but love. Hallelujah. Are you out there? Thank God. And God wants it in us. And I'm going to be the first to raise my hand and say, I still need some work on me. Don't you say amen. I'll come get you. I'll admit it, but you can't say Amen. Well, I'm kidding with you, but, 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 you know, I know it. I know that, you know, I want that. I, you know, I, I realize it, but you know, you are what you are and God has to work you out. Here I am carrying, you know what? I'm just going to put these away. Hallelujah. I don't need them. I have it now. <laughs> Is what we have ex exemplified in the eighties and nineties, our destiny? That's another question. What we saw in the, Is that our destiny for the church? What, I'm talking about, what do you want? Do we want to go through moral failure after moral failure and be brought out in our, um, our laundry aired out in the, where everybody else can see it for the next 20 or 30, 40, or 50 years until all of this ends up or what? What do we want? The revival Joel prophesied about will be different from, from what we may are expecting. It will not be a, it will not be through a church system that reeks of the world. The scripture tells us to love not the world. If you love the world, you're an enemy of God. You're not a friend of God if you love the world. The Bible said it. It doesn't, I'm not talking about loving the people in the world. I'm not talking about reaching out to that. <clears throat> I'm talking about the system, just so much marketing and stuff that takes place in the church. A lot of things we needed because our business side of the church has been very sloppy for many, many years. And so there's a lot of things and techniques that we needed there. But the point is, that we've, we've become so worldly in so many ways that we have lost the touch that God wants us to have, and that's the touch of compassion. We're more than a business. We're more than just an organization or a group of something bodies that come together to do something economically. We're a group of people that come together just to have the compassion and the love of God on the inside of us. That causes us to touch people's lives in a, in a very unique but yet genuine way that they can look and say, I don't even know what kind of a person you are but there's something about your life that makes me want that. I want that. That's what they need to see. But we've got so much of the world that's crept into the church and it reeks and stinks with it. He will not come, it will not, the revival now, he will not come through a lukewarm, idle, worshiping church. He will not come through ministries who are bound with, in competition one with another. It'll come by unity. 
Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. He said the glory would come to make us one. I haven't even got to my message yet, and I'm almost ready to quit. Hallelujah. I mean, I haven't even got to my message yet. Hallelujah. Well, I can just preach till there's nobody left, I guess, and then we'll see how long that'll last. Praise God. Hallelujah. It, it, will not, it will not be attracted. The world will not be attracted by the glamour and glitter of the church, but of the glory. Huh? Not the glamour or the glitter, but the glory. Hallelujah. I got a little thought I'm going to get to you in a minute because I, I, I was reading. My son, he reads this stuff and studies it all the time. So he had me. He said, Dad, you need to read about Evan Roberts. Well, I'd heard about him and, 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 and read bits and pieces, but I read that book. It, it really stirred me on the inside. Hallelujah. There was nothing glittering about him. I tell you what, brother. When revival took place in those in that Wales in those Wales cities, that that man, it was pure stuff. If people tried to get in, and mess it up, and some of them did, and maybe he wasn't everything that was perfect. But I tell you, people, listen. You can go to Hollywood and get gold and glitter, huh? There's plenty of gold and glitter there, and some of it under the name of Christianity. For crying out loud. And a lot of times in our, in our programming uh, to reach people in the world, we want to just say, well, here, we're just as successful as you are. I ain't interested in being successful as they are. I'm interested in being successful. I believe God wants these people successful but in ways different than many times it's portrayed. I believe God wants us to, I believe, I'm going I'm to I'm believe this is what I'm going to believe, and I believe it's the word. I want to say when you have run the gauntlet and when you have done everything you can do and you're down at the life's end and you don't, and all of the gold and all the glitter and all of the uh, things that you can attain to, has it satisfied your soul? Has it healed your body? Has it brought your children out of the darkness and brought them into the kingdom of the light? Are they on their way to eternity? Are you living a home in a home that's peaceful because of the love and the mercy and grace of God? If you're not, you've not found what I'm talking about because what I have is going to do something on the inside of you. It's going to, you, the glitter won't mean nothing because the glory is going to outshine it all. Hallelujah. When we stand on that day, neither sun nor moon is going to light that city, but the lamb is the light, hallelujah. And he is the one I want to give you. I don't have anything, silver and gold, have I none. But what I do have, I can give you in the name of Jesus. Get up, glory to God, and walk, thank God. Hallelujah. Somebody shout glory in this house. Woo, hallelujah. I guess I'll have to put it on my hand, because my head is making it work. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and give him glory. Give the preacher a chance to get his mic back on with you. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just stick you in my pocket. Hallelujah. Amen. You'll stay there. Amen. Glitter. Glitter. Oh, you know, Jesus was a unique person. There was a man come running to him one day and he said, Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, uh, the Bible Jesus said, looked at him and he, and he loved him, really. He said a couple of things to him. He said, sell everything you got. You know, give to the poor. That was the last thing he said. Obey the commandments. He said, well, I've, all of them I've done. He gave him six of them that relates to things he could do, but then there was four that related to his relationship with God. He hadn't done them. And he said, here's what I want you to do. Sell everything you had and give it. Uh, now, listen. Jesus looked at him and loved him and said that to him. You know what a lot of preachers do today? Come on in here, brother. We'll pat you on it. We'll just accept you the way you are because actually we really need your money. But not Jesus. He said it like it was. Hallelujah. 
put it right there. You go read that little story. It's kind of an interesting little story. Now, you're so excited, I can't understand it. I thought me dropping my mic would get you stirred up, but amen. <laughs> no, I didn't orchestrate that. <laughs> amen. The cause of, his, of our present day lapse into church is due to the lifestyles we've lived and preached in the last part of the 20th century. Come on in, and this is true, this is not an untruth, and receive the Lord and everything's going to be wonderful. Yeah, if you live by his standard. You can't say, uh, come on in and receive the Lord and just live like any old way you want to. No, you can't do that. And we're afraid to preach it because we're afraid. We're See, we got seeker-friendly churches. Don't put up a cross. Don't talk about the blood. Don't do anything that's going to stir anybody up. Because after all, you know, we're trying to win them. You ain't winning them. If you make a convert, you're just what Matthew 23, 15 said. You've crossed land and sea to make a proselyte and a convert when he did is a twofold child of hell like you are. That's what Jesus said. And when you got a convert, is what kind of a convert is it? Huh? What kind of a conversion has happened? I'm going to tell you something. I'm not perfect by any sense of the word, and my wife will tell you because she knows. And, and, uh, and, you know, she knows where I'm at. But I'll tell you one thing. I went from drinking six beers for breakfast, six for lunch, and passing out at night by drinking alcohol and liquor to a person that hadn't had a drop for over 30 years. I went from four packs of cigarettes a day to none. I went from taking dope to nothing. Hallelujah. So tell me, you can tell me anything you want to tell me. I met a Christ, hallelujah. Who's the Christ of Calvary, thank God. He's not the one who died on the cross. He's the one only, but he's the one who raised from the dead. Hallelujah. And I know he's alive because he's risen on the inside of me. Hallelujah. And I can say like the apostle Paul, it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. And you can too. Praise God. Hallelujah. We reduce the gospel to a cheap solution of life's problems. We've sold Jesus like somebody, it's like some salesman trying to make a quota. Brother, we're going to have to present him like he is to people like they are. You're lost if you're a sinner. You need a Savior. You're going to hell not because you smoke, chew, drink, and act ugly, but because the nature of sin is on the inside of you, and therefore you do that. But Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly, and he can change you on the inside. Somebody shout glory. Evan Roberts had four prerequisites to revival. Listen to them. They're very good. And, he, and just a little point I think I got out of that book of his too. He said, preaching repentance will never be outdated. It is always relevant. <laughs> That's it. Sin is. Why not repentance? Hallelujah. I mean, it's, not, it's, it's always there. It's got to be doing. Here's one of them. Four prerequisites to revival. Confess all known sin. That's what you know. Things that you've done. So you say you want revival. I believe you do. And you're hungry for God. You sing it. You better believe it. You better mean it. Or don't sing it. Hallelujah. Amen. Don't say it if you don't mean it. Confess all your known sin. Then he said, search out all secret and doubtful things. Search out all secret and doubtful things. If you've got a doubt about it. You know, I've been there sometimes. I wouldn't, the scripture sometimes wasn't as clear as it ought to be. And, you, you know, you, you wouldn't, wouldn't something like murder, you know, just something you'd say, well, Lord, what's the answer about all this? And the fact that you have to ask a question is a probably good sign that you need to get rid of it. Huh? Are you out there? 
Now, all secret sin, the Bible said, are made manifest in the light of his countenance. You know, people come in and say, well, I don't like that kind of preaching because it makes me feel convicted. And, you know, I'm afraid the preacher knows my sin. Well, God already knows them. He knew what he's going to do when he saved you. That's why he saved you by grace. Amen. <laughs> Through faith, it's a gift of God. Hallelujah, not of works. Search out all things and all doubtful things. Then he said, confess the Lord Jesus openly. I, I, I have the suspicion a lot of people don't do that so much anymore. Because the devil has creeped in and trying to get people to say, well, you know, you, you can't you turn people off. That's not really what I'm talking about necessarily. Sometimes, sometimes we can in our manners and ways that we tell people about Christ, we can turn them off. So we, I'm not saying that's not possible, but I'm saying a lot of times that devil takes that and subdues the witness and confession in the lives of many of God's people. And you don't have to be a brash or abrasive, but you can say, Jesus is my Lord. Hallelujah. He's the Lord. He's, he's everything to me. He's all my all in all. Hallelujah. He, he taught that. And then he said, pledge your word that you will fully obey the Spirit. God, I tell you, that makes me tremble. Pledge your word, that was the fourth one, that you will fully obey the Spirit. Now, that's another story when you think about that. I mean, when you say, I'm going to obey the Spirit, brother, there's coming some times in your life when you're going to have to do something that you didn't want to do. I probably told this here before. When I was living in Peoria, a place different from where we're living now, we lived out in a little, like a little hill area in wooded area, and I'd go down in there and pray. And, and so it, this, there was a season when I was home, off quite a bit, and so I would spend a lot of my time down in that little brook praying. And when I'd go down to a certain place and start down over the hill, I don't know if it was the Lord, the angel of the Lord, or the word of the Lord. God is, but in a certain place, he speak to me. Are you going to say what I tell you to say when I tell you to say it? To whom I tell you to say it? And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to say it. That went on for two weeks every time I'd go in there. And finally, one day, you know, the truth came to the surface. I said, I don't know. It depends on who it is and what you tell me to say. I said it out loud. And when I heard myself say it, then I realized I wouldn't do that. I've never, been, I've never been shy on preaching the word boldly, but to do on a one-on-one -on -one thing when you're not under the anointing to preach, to tell somebody something's a different story. Mm, God. And so I said, well, okay. I, I prayed about it. And I said, well, I, I believe I will. You know, I believe I will. First thing that happened, I'm sitting in the church. The pastor I was talking about had the heart attack. God told me to tell him some things several years ago. He is now after what? That's God has been five or six years now since God spoke that and told me to tell him. He is now dealing with it. And the heart attack may have been the thing that got his attention. Not that God sent it, but, you know, he just seized the opportunity and used it. He said, I want you to tell him. I was sitting in church on Sunday night. I hadn't told nobody. I hadn't told my wife anything. I was sitting right on the front seat. We were. And my pastor I had then, he moves in the spirit some. And so, you know, and he, so I was sitting there and the Lord said, well, I want you to call him and tell him this and this. I said, I ain't calling him, telling him nothing. And I said, you know how preachers are. You can't tell them anything. <laughs> we know how we are. We do know. And said, now, he ain't going to receive by telling him. That, that wasn't the issue. The issue was, God wanted me. I said, I'm not going to do it. Well, you said you would. I said, I know I said it would, but I ain't doing it. And so about that time, my pastor, who I had come over, stood right in front of me, never told him. He didn't know nothing about it. It's total supernatural. Said, you're going to say what I, start prophesying. Said, you're going to say what I tell you to say when I tell you to say it to whom I tell you to say it to because if you don't, it will come on you. Ooh, I said, I'll say it. <laughs> Hallelujah. I, I, you know, in my case, that was what God was saying. That's what God wanted to do. So I said, all right. He said, now on your way back there, you know, 
there's another pastor. I mean, I went home that night, rather, going to call that man and say some things to him, just kind of as discreetly as I could, but yet get the point across. He'd call me. I returned the call on the phone. He st- <clears throat> I started talking to him and got right into the conversation, told him what I wanted to tell him. And I said, thank God it's good. And in the meantime, he arranged a meeting for me to come there and preach. So I was going to go there, so I called another. There's another pastor. I said, well, I'll go preach for him, you know, because you're in that area. You might as well just use every preach every place you can. And this guy, now, he's, he's, you know, it's hard for me to tell him anything about his weight because I'm dealing with my own. But it wasn't a matter of his weight and his size. The man loves food. You go out with him to eat, and he just say, here, give your chicken legs. Take this, boy, ain't that good? Mm, it's good, boy. Like, I mean, he just loves food. And, and he said, when you get back there and see him, I want you to tell him if he don't judge his appetite, he's going to die. I said, I'm not going to tell him that. And, you know, I heard them words say, well, if you don't, it'll come on you. I said, well, and, you know, I have to do what I have to do. I said, boy, I hated that so bad because it's different than preaching. And so I, I got back there, and sure enough, we're out to eat, and he's across the table from me eating something and saying to me, have some of this, brother. This is good. Mm. And the Lord said, tell him now. I said, this ain't fair. <laughs> you know. He might just decide to eat me if I, you know what I'm saying, if I, if I don't handle this just right. But, you know, he suffers now with sugar diabetes. See, God try, was trying to deal with him. I don't know where he's at with all of that, but I had to tell him. Hallelujah. It wasn't that, it was easy. You know, it's easy to say you're going to say something. It's easy to say you're going to obey the Holy Ghost and it comes time to obey God. See, you, some of you sitting right here to now, you vowed to God you're going to do something. You ain't done it. We're going to get awesome here in a minute. You vowed you was going to do something. Whatever that is between you and God, you need to get that corrected. The Bible says, I had a fella this when I was in South America. I don't let people get by with this stuff anymore. I've had enough of it, Brother Jamie. I very seldom ever, I, where money's concerned, I try to stay very, keep a high level of integrity. I've never solicited you at any time in this church or any other church to ever come for any amount of money ever. And never, we never talk about it. And I, I don't have, If you give me a dime when I leave here Wednesday, it won't make a bit of difference to me because God will have it somewhere else. I know that won't happen, but, and I pray that that don't happen. But, <laughs> but anyway, I'm being honest here now. But I try to keep a real high level of integrity. I don't tell somebody I'm going to give them some money and don't do it. I did it once, once, many years ago. And brother, I paid the price. And I'll never do it again. I told God, I've, I made two vows. That one, and, I, and I, the devil arranged it where I couldn't keep it. And stole and robbed me because I wasn't far enough along to have faith enough, really. But I'm not excusing that. I'm just saying I did not, and I because I could not, and I paid the price for it. And I made him one more vow. I said I'll never do another vow like that. <laughs> yeah. And so I and so I have, and I've never never from that day to this one never said in my heart to God I'll give a certain amount of money to a person and I didn't do it. Never, never, and I'll never will. I'll keep my word. If it means my family don't eat and my bills don't get paid, I'll keep my word. Hallelujah. And so this guy wired me down in South America. He waited until I got there. He's always been two years behind everything he said he's going to do. Promised he's going to support me every month. Never done it. Promised to give me a certain amount of money. Never done it. So he promised a certain amount of money. Didn't do it. I'm already in South America. I'm supposed to give it to me before I went, and I needed it before I went. I had to wait until two hours before I left to get it. That's how long I had to wait right down the last minute. I wasn't happy about that, but that's just the way it is, so I just keep walking. Hallelujah. Pack my suitcases and head out the door because it's coming. Hallelujah. It make no difference what the devil says. It's coming. Hallelujah. 
you're just sitting there like you're frozen. I don't know if you're listening or you're what you're doing, but anyway. So I just, I told my wife, I said, you know, I prayed about it for a couple of weeks. I said, I'm not going to let him get by this this time. He didn't send it. I got home, he wasn't there. He wired, emailed me. He said, I'll wire it to you. Probably already took it then because I'd probably quicker to get it. But he didn't do it. So I just fired him out a nice little email. I told him the Bible said you ought not let your mouth vow something to suffer your flesh to sin. I said, I'm tired of people saying to me they're going to do one thing and not do it. If I had every dollar everybody ever promised me and you probably the same way, God, I might, I'd be a millionaire. I'd be a millionaire. I'd have so much money I wouldn't even want to put it all in. I'd, I'd find a place, though. You know, I could use it for missions and stuff like that. I'd be busy with it. But I, I, I just said, I'm, I'm going to call your hand, pal. So I called his hand. Because I am, I'm going to tell you something. If we don't make you live a level of, if you can't get the, if you can't live up to integrity of your word on your own, somebody needs to help you. That'd be a rare thing for me to ever say. I said, and I wrote him, I said, as far as I'm concerned, you don't have to send me a dime because I don't want it now anyhow. I said, the fact that I have to be humiliated to the point I have to do something like this makes me mad. And I said, and I'm not too happy about it. And I said, but you, you've done this and this and this and you've done it for two or three years. You haven't kept your word. You need to keep your word. The issue wasn't the money. I didn't need the money. I, how, how do you know when you don't need it? Because wasn't nothing that I had to pay. <laughs> Hallelujah. I didn't, have, I didn't have any, but I didn't need any. But I needed it to be there. Hallelujah. I wish somebody would shout in this place tonight. I bet you, bless God, you won't put, give me your email. I'm tired of it. Promises and never keeping it. There's no integrity. Uh, you know, and, and uh, they need to learn how to pledge the word and obey the spirit. Now, four more little things he taught the people to pray. These are real simple. You won't have no hard time with these. And then I'm going to say one more thing and I'm going to quit. Well, I'm a him and God not. He's going to work on you all night probably. If he taught them to pray. Here's what he said. Send the spirit now. That was the first thing. Send the spirit now. Second thing. Spin, send the spirit powerfully now. Third thing, send the Spirit more powerfully now. <laughs> I'll start again. Send the Spirit now, number one. Send the Spirit powerfully now, number two. Three, send the Spirit more powerfully now. Then number four, send the Spirit still more powerfully now for Jesus Christ's sake. That's how he prayed. And it came. Here's a point. When you come together, it's not imperative, Brother Hughes preaches. I can and we're not trying to keep you here forever. I know you're, some of you are locked in right now. You probably walk like people that need healing when you first get up. But I'm sorry. Uh, you have to be that way. But anyway, we come to praise God. We praise God until we come to worship. When we get at worship, we worship God until we come to glory. When we come to glory, we stand there because that's when things become real. That's when issues really become real. We're talking about revival, friend. Listen, I'm, I may, you know, I'm not trying to stay on or do anything like that. That's not an issue with me at all. I'm just simply saying something to you because it makes no difference who's here. When you get it, bless God, it's gonna be, you're going to have it. And when you get flowing in it in a way that God wants you to flow in it, you're going to be in it. And this will be important to you to know some of these things. Just send the Spirit, hallelujah. You don't need Brother Hughes. You need the Holy Ghost. 
Hallelujah. My God, you've got good preachers. You probably, you've got so much word in you. If it could look at you and see how you really are, feel, if you've listened to it anyway, you're just probably bulging out on every area. You're just all fat and sassy full of the word of God. Hallelujah. I'll see if I can trim some of it down for you. And hallelujah. Amen. Stand up on your feet, please. I'm going to watch you now and see how many of you wobbling like calf legs, you know, new calf legs. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Look at somebody say, I want revival. I want it now. <clears throat> if I had got to the one point tonight, if I'd have got to the other little message about the four little levels in God, and I may get there tomorrow night, one of the things I would have told you is that you are as far as you want to go right now. And I'll tell it to you again if I preach it. You're as far as you want to go. Ain't no limit in God. If thou canst believe, all things are possible. Sound like Brother Hall now. If thou canst believe, all things are possible. Hello, you know, I don't even know what to do right now. I'm standing here looking like I don't know what to do because I really don't know what to do right now. Should I give an altar call? Or should I do like one preacher friend I had? He said he was preaching revival. They all said they wanted one. He said, I got up to preach and said, the Lord said, stop the service and tell them to go out right now and go and go to the houses of the people that they were told by the Spirit of God to, to invite to revival and invite them and come back tomorrow night and bring them. He said, I didn't, they didn't wait till tomorrow night. They came back that night. And he said, we had one of the greatest revivals. It was a week long. It was all the last. He said, we had 100 people saved in that revival in that week. Hallelujah. That's incredible. Well, I don't know if I were to tell you that or not. Probably too late. It's only 9.30. I know they rolled the streets up two hours ago. <laughs> so if you knock on somebody's door, it'd be entering at your own risk, right? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you tonight. We don't want to be presumptuous in any sense of the word about anything, about, about the move of the Holy Ghost. We, we thank you. I don't believe, I, I don't believe, Lord, I don't believe I spoke to people who are not conscientious. I don't believe I've spoken to people who are grown familiar with you and to the point that they're no longer oppressing. But I believe, I believe the word fell upon good ears tonight. And I believe it's going to bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 full. And, and I do pray that. I, I don't know what to do with them right now, Lord. I really don't want to do at this point. But I know that you're working in the hearts and lives of your people. You're doing something in them. And you're doing something in this place. And we have to believe that if you're bringing a shifting and going some direction that they haven't gone hitherto for, then that you have something allotted for them on the other side from where they're at now that they're going to step into the power and the glory of God. of the blood.